Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is that even though the words religion and spirituality are often interchangeable, a unique study from the University of Oregon just showed that practicing religion and being spiritual are distinct and they each have their own benefits. The effects of being religious and following an organized religion are correlated with a healthier lifestyle, less drinking, less smoking, better daily habits, and probably most importantly, having a supportive community. But being spiritual offers followers a way to explore their feelings and mindfulness so you have less stress, less inflammation, lower blood pressure, and overall better well-being. So there actually is a scientific difference between those two things. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's guest is a friend and someone who's who's amazing on many different levels. She's Cynthia Pasquella, a certified nutritionist, a best-selling author, and creator of a show called What You're Hungry For. It's just a web series that helps people connect the dots between their emotional life to their food habits. (laughs) She's also the founder and director of the Institute for Transformational Nutrition, which is a nutrition certification program that merges nutritional science, psychology, spirituality, 
and business training and coaching skills, she's inspired her celebrity clients and millions of people to find peace with themselves and their food. And Cynthia has a, a profound story of her own transformation that led her to create her uh, her business and just to reach out and touch the lives of millions of people. Cynthia, it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's definitely an honor to be here. Tell me your story. Why did you become a nutritionist? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. It's um, it's funny. I get asked that question a lot too. Like, why this field? Because I don't think anyone ever wakes up and says. I want to make a lot of money and, you know, do a lot of things with my life. I know nutrition is the way, right? No one ever does that. So, and, and I certainly had no interest, Dave. I mean, I didn't know a protein from a carb. I didn't know there was such things. I just knew nothing about nutrition, wellness, health at all until I was kind of forced to know these things. And um, just to give you a little bit of background, I was working many, many years ago in Los Angeles in the entertainment industry. I was a model, I was a television host, and, and things were great, right? But I very much lived that Hollywood lifestyle. And I was a newcomer to this industry, to this business, which meant you, like any newcomer to any industry, you have to hustle, right? You're trying to make your mark, you're trying to get to know people, you're trying to network. And so I was doing all of that. I was working these very long days, and then at night, I would go to, you know, all of these networking events and parties and get togethers and what have you. And, you know, I was drinking, I was doing a ton of stuff. I, I shouldn't have been, I was staying out, staying up all night and it caught up with me really, really quickly. Um, I ended up being about 25, 30 pounds overweight. I had horrible cystic acne. My hair was breaking and falling out. Cellulite in places. I didn't know you could get cellulite. And it wasn't just the physical things either. Um, I had suffered with depression for pretty much my whole life. So that was being triggered in a big way. I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. I was completely exhausted. Like from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. And it didn't matter, Dave, if I slept I could sleep 18 hours and still wake up exhausted. And if that wasn't enough, I also had short-term memory loss. It's like I just couldn't remember things. It was it was really um, a tough situation, and I was just in it. And so I it got really bad, and, and I wasn't able to work because, unfortunately, I was in a business where, you know, your looks play a big role in whether or not you're on TV um, or at a photo shoot. So... I wasn't making any money and I was super depressed, just my clinical depression kicking in in, in a big way. So I thought I need to, to fix this, right? I'm going to, I need to get some help. And I knew me and I knew that dark place and I thought I really need to get some help. So the little bit of money I did have, I was spending on everything to try to fix me. And it's funny, Dave, you know, and I know you've heard people say this. People say, um, I've tried everything, nothing works. And I used to hear people say that and I'm like, really? Like, have you really tried everything? Because surely if you tried everything, something would have worked, right? It's just common sense. I don't know. But for the first time, I I knew what they meant. I got it. Yeah. And because I really had tried everything. I went to doctors, nutritionists, trainers. I tried all kinds of spiritual ceremonies. I did energy healing. Um, I popped the pills. I drank the shakes. Nothing worked. I mean, I was hypnotized. It was crazy. I tried everything. And so I just got to this point where I thought, what am I going to do? And I remember, Dave, I woke up one morning. Um, I lived in um, Los Angeles, a little tiny studio apartment in Hollywood. And I woke up and I thought, 
maybe today's the day. I felt like a smidget better, like a very technical term, smidget. And I thought <laughs> maybe today is the day that I can do this, right? Maybe today, like I'll find something. And I just had that spark. So I get in the shower, showering. I think I'm going to start my day off right. You know, I'm saying all these positive mantras in my head. And then I find a lump in one of my breasts. And then I find a lump in the other one. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, my body and my, my mind completely went numb. And I just thought, you've got to be kidding me. Like this isn't happening. And I just remember Dave, I sank to the floor, the water is still coming down and, and it's just nothing. I'm not aware of anything. And I put my arms around myself and I just started rocking, you know, much like a mother would rock her child to soothe her. I was just rocking. And I just thought, this is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. And then there were no thoughts. And I don't know how long I sat there. I just remember feeling the water had turned very cold. And I thought, okay, I should get out. I should get out of the shower. So I get out, I get a towel, I dry off and I walk into um, my, my living room and bedroom. It was all just a studio apartment. And I'm sitting there And I'm just staring at the wall and just staring. And I did that all day long. I don't remember, like I remember getting up and moving randomly, but I don't remember like any thoughts or um, any big epiphanies, nothing. I was just numb. And it got to be early hours, wee hours of the morning. And I remember I was sitting in a dark corner in the room on the floor. I don't remember how I got there or what had happened, but I was sitting there in this dark corner And I thought, I'm done. I'm just done. It's time for me to check out. You know, people will see that I've tried. You know, you can't say that I didn't try. I did try to figure this out. I just, I can't do it anymore. And I had decided that I was going to take my own life. And and I felt in a good place with it. You know, it wasn't like I was, um, you know, still trying to work it out. I was just good with it. Just completely accepting. And I sat there. And then I started thinking about, you know, just everyone I would leave behind and how life would be afterward. And I thought, why, why me? Like, why is this all happening to me? Because the thing was, um, this isn't the first time I'd ever faced struggle in my life. In fact, I grew up, I grew, grew into, so I was born into struggle. Basically my, we were very poor. Um, we, I mean, had basically no money. I remember we didn't have running water in the house. So like, I remember my mom would catch rain in rain barrels, bring it in and heat it on an old wood stove and then pour it in like this metal tub that sat on the floor. And that's how we would take baths. Um, there were nights we didn't have food cause we just didn't have money for food. So it was, it was a tough upbringing. And then like any situation like that, there are things that just come along with it. Right. So my parents, there was a lot of domestic abuse. They fought all the time, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. I was sexually abused at a young age. And so this was my life growing up, you know, just, um, I lost, people to suicides, um, random accidents. It was just this crazy, crazy environment that I grew up in. So I felt like I had been fighting my entire life, just fighting. And that night sitting there, I just thought, you know, I'm so sick of fighting. I don't want to do this anymore. But then why me? Why is this happening? I started to get angry, Dave. I started to get angry at all the people that I went to to try to help me. 
and they hadn't, I got angry at myself for like, like, how could you get to this place? What were you thinking? I was angry at God for, you know, all of these things that had transpired in my life. And the angrier I got and the more clear I got that I was done, I started to have this realization and I had this little voice, this, this God moment, whatever you want to call it, that said, these things happen for you, not to you. And I thought, whoa, because in that moment, I got it. I finally got it. I thought, wow, this isn't about me. This has never been about me because I was thinking, oh, woe is me. How pathetic am I? But it had never been about me. It was about everyone else in the world that had gone through similar struggles, that were struggling just like me, that had lost loved ones just like me, that had felt hopeless and defeated and worthless just like me. And I realized like that's my, my mission. That's my passion. Like I can help those people. If I could figure this out, I could help them not have to suffer, not have to deal with all of these horrible things that I was going through. So, and it's funny because, you know, I was in my early twenties and I was looking for my purpose, you know, like what, what's the purpose of life? Why am I here? And I was trying to figure all of that out, but it, I realized it came, um, it was my, this purpose was my birthright. I was born into this work. So that shifted everything for me. And that's how I got into this world was through that own, just really, you know, coming to Jesus moment, that complete breakdown that happened before the breakthrough. That, that's a pretty powerful story. And you, you've gone through so much and a, a few things stand out. You talk about that, just, I could sleep 12 or 18 hours a day and, and <sighs> and you just hit the wall. I, I had the similar thing happen in my career, and, and we've talked about this um, yeah. off, off camera uh, at, at various events and all. Uh, and it it's interesting. I had the same thought, like, oh, fat people are fat because they're lazy. I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> I, oh, wait I'm fat. And oh, wait, I'm not lazy. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then it must have been awful, though, as a model you know, with, with acne and 20 extra pounds. You're like, I'm not really a model. And for yeah. people, who, people who are just listening uh, in your car or whatever, uh, if if you look, well, I would say that you pretty much still look like a supermodel. <laughs> so watch, watch the YouTube channel. You'll see what I'm talking about. Right? Well, this is my earth suit, right? Like we all have our earth suits and we're all the same. I mean, this I got totally. somehow got into this one and you somehow right. got into that one. And we're just all sort of bumping totally. around into each other in this world. But but yeah, it's um, and, and, you know, I think anyone I mean, I don't think you have to be a model or on TV to to relate to feeling like a fraud. You know, oh, yeah. to feeling like, you know, people at any minute are going to figure you out, you know, um, even today, like even in all the work, I still have that fear, you know, like, oh, when are they going to find out that, you know, I'm not good enough or whatever. Like we always go through those ceilings, right? Those upper limits that we continue to break through. But um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very interesting process and a very humbling process. And um, it's good. There's something called imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Have you come across that? Oh, every day. What are you talking about? Every day. <laughs> yeah, it, and I, I think a, a lot of people have that. You know, I, I, I'm not yeah. good enough to be where I am. I'm, I'm faking it. Yeah. And I, I used to have that, and I, that's gone for me now. Uh, <laughs> uh, where I'm like, I'm just, I, I do what I do, and, and like, I, I don't I, I don't care if people think I'm an imposter or not. Like, at least they're yeah. thinking about the words I said. Maybe if they're valuable words, cool. And if not, whatever. Like. You know what helps me with that is just to, it's not about me, right? Like yeah. I remember when I, I wrote my first book and I was launching it and I was launching on the Dr. Phil show 
and I'm backstage, Dave, and I'm all in my head, right? And I'm just like, oh, I'm going to walk out there. I'm going to fall. I'm going to say something stupid. I'm, you know, just like all the gremlins came out that morning, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a lot of pressure and it was like big deal. So I'm standing there and I'm all in my head. And this woman walks up to me and she says, you know, hey, Cynthia. And I'm like, I don't know this woman. Should I know her? And um, I was like, hey, how are you? And she's like, I'm great. I just wanted to come over and thank you. And I thought, okay. I was like, oh, well, what for? And she goes, well, you don't know me. We've never met, but you saved my life. Wow. And I was like, I still get chills when I tell this story. It just, it was like, it happened yesterday. Um, but yeah, so I realized in that moment, Dave, that that's what it was about, right? It wasn't about me and whatever I looked like or whatever came out of my mouth when I walked on stage. It was about that, the message, right? So when the message became bigger than my own worries about that imposter syndrome, my own faults, my own, you know, lack of whatever, then everything shifted for me. And there are days that I'm still like, oh, I don't know. Am I really good enough to do this? Am I, you want me for this TV show? I still have those little, you know, gremlins that come out, but that's how I shut them down. You know, it's really focusing on the message. It's not about me. I'm just the messenger. You know, I'm just here. The stuff comes through me. So that's kind of um, the thing that shifted all of that for me. It, it's much easier and frankly more satisfying when you have a mission uh, versus when you're doing it for your, for yourself. I, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do this stuff every day for yourself. I don't know. I don't know if that's, I don't think I could do it just for me. Yeah, I don't exactly. So. There's another quote that, that comes to mind that, that you might like, and I, I think it's Helen Keller, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me on quoting <laughs> Helen Keller. That's a meta quote right there. Uh, but it's, what what people think of me is none of my business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and I I had to do a lot of work on that, because as you get successful, you always attract haters. And, and it used to oh, stress yeah. me out. I'm like, but like, I'm no, like I'm, I'm talking about some important stuff here, and like there's real science behind it. And one day I just realized, you know what, I, I don't really care. Like Some people aren't yeah. going to like what I have to say, and like it's totally cool. Yeah, yeah, it's not for those people. That's okay. Yeah, it, exactly, and uh, uh, I also now I'll be a little bit, a little bit, uh, a, a little bit non-spiritual, <laughs> given my opening fact of the day. So I get a little twinge of guilty pleasure when I realize I do this math equation, and it's like, look, um, if 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 I'm questioning my own competence or whatever, that's one thing. But if someone else, in a mean-spirited way, is doing that, yeah, like okay. It takes them at least a minute or two to, to to try and like do something mean, and it takes me like half a second to click ban delete, and then yeah. it's like it's, it's like a gag. And when I do the math equation, I'm like I so win, like every yeah, time yeah, I win. Yeah, totally. So, I love that. Know. That's so smart. Yeah, but you know it's funny. I think um, I really think that social media and these avenues have opened up channels. For, I mean, anyone's reachable these days, yeah. right? And anyone can say anything at any time, and then the world sees it. And I think we have really taken that for granted in a big way. I don't think we fully understand the responsibility that comes with the power of our own voice. So whether it's you or I writing a book where we're trying to help people and not harm them and then really taking responsibility for the information we're putting out, or whether it's some random troll, you know, like somebody just just trolling on the internet and writing hateful comments, we have to take responsibility for that, you know, and, and this, that the, those words have power, they have energy, they very much shift things. So I think we 
miss that memo somehow. I don't, I think there's a disconnect with what we're putting out there because it's so easy just to say whatever that the responsibility is no longer there. Or maybe, maybe it wasn't to begin with. I don't know, but it certainly doesn't seem to exist. And that's for me, a very scary thing when we think about these communication channels and platforms that we have. It is uh, like there are things that people will, will say on on Facebook or or whatever, mm-hmm. and just like mean stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and if a thousand yeah. people see that, would you stand in a crowded square and say that in front of a thousand exactly. people? No, exactly. here's why you wouldn't do that. Because if you did, someone would thump your ass. Okay, <laughs> like like that's how it works. And, yeah. and we've taken away that. You're like I can hide in my you know in my dorm room or whatever mm-hmm. and, and do this stuff, but. Our bodies and our emotions still respond to that stuff as if it's mm-hmm. it, it's a real thing. Sure. And, and so the 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 sad lonely person who's doing that, and only a thousand people see it. Still, it's a thousand people. But for you, yeah. Cynthia, you've been doing your line of work for a long time, and yeah. and I did an equation recently. I, I added up like the number of of minutes people listen to my content or read my content, <laughs> and. Pretty much 125 human lifetimes and counting I've consumed with my words, right? So Amazing. either either I'm a mass murderer <laughs> or not. And I think your number would actually be much higher than mine because you have an amazing reach. You know, you're doing stuff with Khloe Kardashian and like you're you're all over and ITN has done some really good stuff. So like you're probably a bigger mass murderer than I am. Cynthia. <laughs> Or, <laughs> or a value giver, right? And, and so yeah, I wish that people would, would look at their words and look at the amplification ratio. And the more amplified your words are, the more you must be mindful of them because the words hurt you or they hurt other people or they help you or they help other people. And, and I, it seems like that's just been lost somewhere in, in translation. Well, yes, I agree. I think it has. And I think the first step in in sort of shifting that paradigm is awareness, right? It's like creating this awareness that your words have power, that, that that's a very forceful thing that you're putting out into the universe. But, you know, I think, and, and this is what I see so much working with, with clients and doing the work that I do around, you know, what you're finding out what you're really hungry for is that we're so afraid. We're just terrified. We, our souls, our, what we've been through in our lifetimes, the things that we've experienced have left us with this trauma, right? That we try to heal through food, drugs, alcohol, meaningless relationships, random sex, like all of these different things. And that's, you know, obviously just a band-aid and it doesn't matter how much food you eat or how much sex you have, you can never fill that void, even though we keep trying every day. So I think, you know, awareness is really the first step to sort of taking responsibility for our actions and for the things that we're saying. And I think that's just the first step. I think that we obviously need to go much deeper uh, into that and look at why am I saying these things in the first place? Where is this coming from? Because most often, you know, it's fear. It's 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 something that happened. Um, I believe, you know, the social conditioning happenings before the age of eight, typically seven, because that's when your brain, you know, all of this stuff. I know. Um, but I like to get people up into the age of eight just to get in that last little bit of development. <laughs> but but all of those triggers and the unconscious things that we do and our learned behaviors and patterns, all of that starts at a very early age. So that's where, for me, what I've seen the real work is, um, is getting back to that place and, and working through that, feeling those emotions, letting them go, processing instead of numbing out, you know, or instead of acting out. So you, you talk about awareness, which is awesome yeah. because 
one of the big things that I like about your work is that you help people identify the bad relationships that they have with their food. Yeah. And, and a lot of guys like me, we, we talk a lot about like the, the, the biology of food. In, in ITN, you talk about the biology of food as well. You're like, what, yeah. what, how does it work? And, and then you go a level beyond it, like, all right, what's the emotional relationship of this? How yeah. do you... How do you help someone? Like, like, how would someone listening to this know? All right, do I have a craving because I'm lacking zinc, or do I have a craving because mommy didn't love me? Like, like, yeah. what? <laughs> totally. How do I know? No, it's such a great question because mommy didn't love me. It's such a great question. And here's the thing: is um, this work? It wasn't like it just I created this entire framework just like that. I was like, this is what we have to do. It was really a process. You know, I told you about my struggle and then deciding that, whoa, there's a bigger mission for me, right? There's, this is, this is bigger than me. It's happening for me, not to me. I thought, okay, well, I should probably learn about this nutrition thing. I don't know, you know, call me crazy, but it seemed like the first step. So I I went over, I found an online certification program because I'd done the whole college thing and I thought, okay, this is this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to enroll in this program. Hold on a second. You you didn't just do the whole college thing. What What did you study in college here, Cynthia? So I studied a few things. Um, I have a degree in computer science. Oh, oh, you're a biohacker. Oh, I get it. So yeah, no, I think you're underselling yourself there. <laughs> yes, it's I can lay Cat Five Cable with the best of them. Right. Like you can write programs, so you can do all of that. But I'd rather help people heal their heart. Totally. You know, it's totally. just. Yeah. So, so I enrolled in this program and it was, it was good. And, you know, I learned a lot about a lot and, but but it was clinical, right? Like I'm a clinical nutritionist by training. And basically what that meant, Dave, is that I would create meal plans. I would tell people what to do. They would go do it, lose all this weight and the world is a happier, better place. If only it worked that way. And of course it didn't. Right. So I kept giving people like meal plans and saying, okay, do this, do this. And, and I was working on my own self at the same time. Right. I was working on my own health and just getting in a good place and healing my body. So I realized though, that people would come back time and time again, and they just wouldn't eat what we had decided together that they would eat. Right. And it was, it was shocking to me because I thought, well, if you really wanted to lose weight, if you really wanted to do this, you would do the work. So I remember Dave, I had this client, uh, she was great. And I, I will never forget this woman because she changed everything for me. She changed the way I work. She changed the way I help people every week. This is how it would go. She would come in, we would look at her meal plan and her food journal from the previous week, which would look nothing like the meal plan and the food plan that we'd put together for her (laughs) earlier in the week. And she kept having candy bars. Candy bars were her thing, right? Breakfast, lunch, an afternoon pick-me-up, a a dessert after dinner. Like it was constant. You you can actually make French toast out of a Snickers bar. You just roll an egg and put her... Don't teach those things. Don't tell people that. Um, you're not helping my case here. No, so I was so confused. And she she got me on just the right day. You ever have those days where like you're trying to help someone and they're not helping them, themselves and you're just like, I give up, you know? So I said to this woman, I said, you know, I don't get it. Every week we talk about what you'll eat. Every week you buy into this. You say, yes, that's what I want to do. And every week you come back and you have all of these candy bars and I I don't get it. And I said to her, please help me understand, because at this point you're wasting my time and your money and I don't I don't get it. And she did something that no client before or since has done to me. She yelled up and she, or she stood up and screamed at me, just yelling at me. And I was like, 
what is happening? During her yelling, she said to me, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. It turns out that, and she said to me, you know, these candy bars may just be candy bars to you, but not to me. And she said to me, do you know why I joke? Because then I can be the funny fat girl. Do you know why I call myself fat? Because I don't want someone else to beat me to it. And do you know why I'm nice? And I just take what everything says about me and smile anyway, because if I mean, they call me fat. And she's like, these candy bars are the only friends I have left and I will not let you take them away from me. I was like, whoa, shifted everything, Dave. I was like, I'm stunned from like being screamed at. But I just like the truth of what she said rang through so clearly, even to her, like she was shocked that that came out of her because this isn't something that she sat around and thought about. She didn't know it. No, no idea. But when I challenged her in that moment and made her angry, she just went to that place, you know, and all that anger wasn't at me. It was at all those people in her life. So it turns out here's what had happened. And I worked with her for a long time afterward. And she's great and still a friend to this day. But when she was growing up, her mother was dating this man who didn't like children. So when he would come over in the evenings to visit and hang out, the mother would take her to her room, but she had stopped on the way home from work and picked up candy and movies from Blockbuster and all of these things, right? And so she'd put her in her room and that's where my client, this woman would stay until the man left, you know, the next morning, her mother would come in and say goodnight to her, but that was it. She, she didn't come downstairs. So these candy bars, she had latched onto those, represented love. They represented love and caring and nurturing. And, and she was so angry at her mother. And that's where this came from. So anyways, it shifted. And I thought, oh, it's not about just telling people what to do. It's finding out why they know what to do, but still won't do it. Right? Like, what is that? Even when faced with death, do you know when giving a diagnosis of certain death or if you don't change your lifestyle and your diet, you most certainly will die. 87% of people say, I'll just die. 87%. It's crazy. It's like, why is that? So that got me thinking. And I was like, wow, I really need to dig into the psychology of this more. And I did. And that shifted the way I worked with clients. And they got big improvements. And so did I. I thought, wow, I've got to figure out what's going on here. But the real magic came because I would still have people who weren't quite compliant, who still didn't quite get it. So the real magic came when I discovered that the bigger piece was not about food. In fact, it's never been about the food. Um, It's always been about this bigger hunger that we have that we can't fill that I talked about earlier. And that's where spirituality comes in, right? Like I was so happy that you opened with the difference between religion and spirituality because they are very, very different, right? So when I put the spirituality aspect into place where people could discover what they were really hungry for, and then we pair that with the science of nutrition and the psychological triggers that were created when they were young, what you get out of that is a radical shift, a radical transformation. I call it transformational nutrition, which is why I started the Institute of Transformational Nutrition, because no one was training people in that. No one still trains people in this. Yet I know that you need every single one of those facets to create change, right? Um, People talk about transformation and we see shows like The Biggest Loser and all of these things on TV. And 
it's, it's almost as if transformation means becoming a better version of yourself, you know, being someone better. And, um, and I don't think that's what it's about at all. It's not about that for me. Um, it's interesting. Krishnamurti had a, a quote. He said, when you begin to understand what you are without trying to change it, then what you are undergoes a transformation. You see, so what he's saying is, is understand why you do these things, right? Understand what you are. Go back and remember who you are and see what these triggers are and why they're triggered. Because when you can understand what you are and why you are that way, then you can change it, right? You have this white space of awareness that allows you the opportunity then to make different choices. And that's the way I look at transformation. It's not about becoming a better version of you. It's just remembering who you always were and letting that person out again. Does that make sense? Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've also done you know, lots of this personal growth work. And mm -hmm. one of the things that, that I believed, also having been a computer science uh, student, you know, truth tables, rational logic. Totally. Is, most people, if, if you ask them this, they'll say, oh, I'm a rational person. Yeah. Uh, in fact, especially engineer, especially engineers will say that, right? But then there's always behaviors that you can't explain away with logic. Yeah. Uh, like one of them might be sex. I'm just saying like that's not that logical. You're like, oh, I do it because it feels good. Why does it feel good? Well, there isn't a reason. It just does, okay? Right. You just lost your logic at that point, <laughs> right? But, but there's all sorts of things like eating behaviors and relationships and all those things where we have a story that we tell ourselves about them, but then we, we kind of do it, but then we make up the story. And then we tell ourselves that we did it because of the story and we have that weird loop. And, and I think that happens particularly with food and, and your work has really done a lot to, to help people identify uh, when you're actually hungry yeah. <laughs> because you yeah. need to eat or when it's... Right. I'm hungry because when I was four, something happened and I didn't get what I needed yeah. or what I thought I needed. You probably yeah. didn't really even need it, but it, yeah. it felt like a, like a trauma. And so it got embedded. How, how, do you, how do you show someone this? Like, how, do you, how does someone reach that state where your client reached, where, where they're like, oh, yeah. my God, these, these candy bars are, are love? Right. Like, I, okay, if someone's listening to this, they're, they're sitting in a, in a cubicle somewhere. And they're, they're thinking, okay, could this even be happening to me? Probably not. That's only for crazy people. That's what the normal defense systems would say. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you show them that? Like, what do they do? Yeah, I would say we're all crazy, but that's a whole other, <laughs> totally. you know, yeah. that's probably a whole other show. And, and it's just to touch really quickly on what you said about logic. Um, you know, we all think that we're very logical. Mm -hmm. We think that we make decisions based on logic, and we never do. We always make them based on emotion, right? And then we back them up with logic, right? It's like, oh, I want this thing, so I need it. Right. So we're always making decisions based on emotion. So to answer your question of, well, how do we get to that point? It's interesting. There's um, there's a method that I've created. It's on my website. You can just download it for free. But basically, you walk through this process of going back to these root causes. So what is it that you're really hungry for? Like, what is it that you want in your life right now that you don't have? And there's a process for figuring that out, too, if you don't know. But maybe it's love. Maybe it's connection. Right. Maybe it's success. It could be anything achievement recognition. I mean, in, at the end of the day, we all just kind of want to be seen. We want to be heard and we want to feel like we matter, right? Those are the biggest things that we want. So once you figure out what it is that you want, like, oh, I want to lose weight, for example, it could be anything. Well, we look at your beliefs around that. Well, why do you believe that you don't have it? 
yeah, what's your belief? And, and, you know, you sort of have to drill down and work through this. And again, the process is on my side, but look at what it is that, um, is in you that causes you to not believe that you can do it or believe that you deserve it. Like a lot of times people will say, well, I don't deserve it. Like, I just don't, I don't deserve it. I don't feel worthy. Like when you get to the root of it, that's what it is. And sit with yourself to figure that out. It's interesting, Dave, we were so used to like the internet and having information at our fingertips that what we do is we go outside of ourselves to find the answers, right? People come to you to say, Dave, tell me what to eat. Tell me what to drink. Tell me how to, how to biohack. Tell me how to get this, you know, how to upgrade every area of, of my life. And that's great, right? We can do that. It's great that we have people like you out there. You are definitely an expert, right? I'm an expert. But when it comes to our own bodies, each of us is the expert on that, right? And so instead of going outside, and there's nothing wrong with going outside, but when you're talking about these deeper hungers, I can't tell you what they are. And Dave, you can't tell them what they are. The answers are all inside of you. So you go inside, right? And you sit with yourself and you get quiet. And we're always talking about, oh, social media and all these things. We're so disconnected and everything is so loud and busy and noisy. I would argue that we want it to be that way. Because when it's that loud, we don't have to hear what's going on inside. We don't have to be with our own thoughts. We don't have to hear our own heart, right? So I think we do that on purpose and we complain about it, but I think that's a cover up. That's just my beliefs. So get quiet, right? Go in, sit with yourself, sit still with yourself, be with yourself. We're terrified to do that. And that's a good thing. Let that fear encourage you to do that, right? Use this as an opportunity to to feel that courage. So you go in, what are your beliefs around Um, this thing that you want. Once you have that belief, for example, I I don't deserve it. I just don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. We talked about that earlier. I'm an imposter, right? Well, what's your earliest memory of that? Right. So, and, and it might just be that you remember, oh, when I was 20 or when I was 15, great. Talk that through, go back, think about that. What's an earlier memory? So the, the idea is to get back to your very first time that you can remember feeling that way, right? So like, you're just not worth it. Maybe this woman went back, she went back to her childhood completely unprovoked by me and said, Oh, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was loved. I didn't feel worthy of love. So if I'm not worthy of my mother's love, I'm certainly not worthy of those skinny jeans that everybody's, you know, flouting around in. So it's, it's what go get back to that. What I call the defining event, right? And usually it happens before the age of eight, typically seven, usually eight. So when you get back to that place, then that's where the emotions kick in. And that's why I wanted to talk about your point on logic versus emotions, because this is where the decisions are made, right? So you got to feel those emotions. And I tell people, you know, this isn't a quick fix. It's it's not just something that you can be like, oh, what am I hungry for? Why? Oh, I got that. This is a lifetime, Dave, of conditioning, of hearing these messages, of trying to act a certain way, right? It's funny, we start out, and I'll use women as an example, But we start out and we're like these perfect little beings. And if we want something, we cry, right? And we get it. And we don't think there's a thing wrong with that. We're like, that was awesome, you know? (laughs) But then at some point, we start getting a little older and we hear things like, oh, you're being too loud. You're being too this. You're being too that. Don't be like this. Be like little Susie. Do you see little Susie? She's not running around like a crazy girl. You know, be a good girl. Like we're told that. And and men have their own challenges, but I, I happen to know women a little bit better. So I'm talking about them. But, um, we start to think that, whoa, there is something wrong with me. I am inherently flawed. So we turn down the volume, right? 
And we start to try to be like little Susie. And then we hear society saying, well, you should be this. You should do that. You should do this. You should go to school. You should get good grades to get into a good college and find Mr. Right and have the 2.5 kids and an amazing career. In other words, you should grow up to be a rock star in the boardroom and a porn star in the bedroom and look like a Barbie doll while doing it, which isn't even the crazy part. The crazy part is we're like, okay, yeah, that, that's what we need to do. So we become so busy trying to be who they say we should be that we forget who we are. So we spent our life forgetting who we are and trying to be someone different. So it's important that you go in and reconnect to that time. Go back to that place where you first developed that thought, where you first created that belief. Who was there? What were they saying? How did that make you feel? Where do you feel it? You know, is there a color associated? Basically, you just want to really feel and be in that moment because when you are and you bring all of that back, you can come to the realization that this is no longer happening. This is done now. You're safe. It's unfortunate that this happened, but it did. But it's no longer happening. And you no longer have to identify with this. You no longer have to let this event determine everything in your life, including food and weight and health and all of those things. You no longer have to do that. You can let go. And then that's where the forgiveness part comes in. And I know this is a lot. It's it's a process that you work through, um, but it's so powerful, Dave. And when you get back to the point where you reach this place of forgiveness, you're not saying, oh, what you did to me, that's cool. That's cool. We'd be buddies, you know, like it's all good. It's not, you know, a lot of people have done a lot of things to me that are not okay. They will never be okay. And it's not, you know, it's not a free pass. Um, we're not condoning any of that. But what we are saying is, Essentially, I forgive you for not being the person I needed you to be. I forgive you and I set you free. So for me, you know, I mean, I've gone through this with so many times, like my own, my own mother challenges, like I forgive you for not being the mother that I needed you to be. I forgive you and I set you free. And when we let go of that day, we no longer have those old conditionings, right? So now we have this free space to think, wow, if that's not really who I am, then who am I really? And that's when we get to the bigger question of, you know, what am I really hungry for? I'm going to, I don't like this job. I never liked this job. I just did it because they said I should. My dad was a lawyer and he thought I should be a lawyer. So that's what I'm doing, you know? So when we do that, it's almost like you're escaping from prison and then you're free to be who you are. The hunger goes away and you create this amazing life on your terms with all of those old beliefs gone. It's really powerful. So, so what's your answer? What are you really hungry for? <laughs> it's a great question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm hungry for a lot of things. I really am. And I, I right now I'm hungry for connection in a big way, connection to people who share powerful ideas and want to create change in the world. I'm also just hungry for, you know, other people. Sometimes, as you know, we work very isolated and I'm hungry for that connection. You know, I saw you just um, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh my God, I got to see a bunch of our friends and it was so yeah. cool. It's just that physical connection, that emotional connection is really powerful for me. Um, and I'm also I'm also very intrigued right now and hungry for the power of people's voices and owning our truth. It's just something I'm into right now because I feel like we don't do it enough. We don't speak up. We don't say if we're unhappy. We bottle all of that down inside. And that's not 
true to who we are, right? Uh, and you do this all the time. We do it in, in relationships. We do it just in passing. Hey, how are you? Great. How are you? And meanwhile, your world is falling apart, but God forbid you say anything about it, right? So I'm just really hungry for people to understand the power of their, their voice, the power of their truth, and to own that. Because I feel like the world that we live in would be so much easier if we did. I'll give you a small example. So a few weeks ago, I was getting a massage. And during the middle of the massage, the guy was like, we were probably maybe 10 minutes into it. So not quite the middle. And the guy says, well, how's that feeling? And before he asked that, I had thought, this doesn't feel good at all. Like it was just the strangest thing. And I was like, I'm here to relax. And then I was getting upset because I wasn't relaxing because he wasn't doing a good job. But like, you know, I couldn't just say that. Right. Or could I? So he said to me, how's, how's that feeling? And I was like, you know, with as much love in my heart for this man as I could muster, I said, it's really not working for me. And he's like, really? Like, I, I guess no one ever said that to him before. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is just, you know, and here's, and I literally like physically took his hands. I was like, this is what I like, you know, this kind of movement and pressure and whatever. And he was like, gosh, thanks so much for telling me. Like, I just really want to be of service and give you a great experience. And I would never have known. So thanks for, for speaking up. So in the end, I came from this very loving place with a very clear intention of just helping him help me. And he received that in a really beautiful way. And it was just an honest conversation. You know, it's like we try to be nice and polite, but we're not serving each other by doing that. You understand? It's like we need to own our truths. We need to be able to communicate with each other and and reconnect. And part of that comes from my hunger for connection, too. It's like, let's connect at the point of our truths. Well, there's two things that are happening there. Like, like one is you have to know what you want and then yes. you have to be willing to ask for what you want. And, yeah. and so few people really know what they want, which is one of the problems you're working to solve because yeah. you tell yourself you want this for these reasons, but you actually want it for a different reason and you might even want something else. But then yeah. even if you know what it is, you're like, am I good enough to ask for this if I ask for it? And will yes. I be disappointed? And you have all those weird messages. But it's amazing what happens when you like when you, you get clear on what you want and then you ask for it. Like shockingly, it might actually happen. <laughs> it's much more likely to happen that way than any other way, right? Yeah, it's so powerful. I think, um, and I think we don't realize that. And here's the other thing: um, just being totally transparent is, and I see this too with our students at um, the Institute of Transformational Nutrition because they're going out and they're you know starting their businesses and they're helping people and they're they're changing the world. Like we talk about changing the world, they are every single day. You guys are changing the world at Bulletproof every single day, right? It's like you're helping someone, you're making their life better, and that's great. But we're so afraid to ask for help for ourselves. You know, it seems very selfish, Dave. It seems very like um, weak in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to ask for help. I've got this, especially for me growing up and having to be strong all the time. For yeah. me, it, it's, it's something that I still struggle with is, is reaching out and asking for help because I don't want to seem weak and I don't want um I don't want for people to think I need help. And I also uh, just feeling into that in this moment and feeling it's very scary because what if they say no? Mm -hmm. You know, and none of us want to feel that. We just want to belong. We want everybody to be happy. We want to feel like one of the guys or one of the girls, you know. But what if you reach out and, and then that person says no, and then we take that as a value-based judgment? And so I think it's tough. I think it's a very powerful thing to do. I don't, however, think it's it's easy. Yeah, fear of rejection is big. But mm -hmm. it, 
it ties back to shame. And, and in your work at Institute for Transformational Nutrition, you talk also about like sexuality and food and, and how shame is tied up and all that. Yeah. Can you talk through that a little bit more? I think listeners would love to hear about that. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up thinking that sex was bad. It's dirty, you know, and I didn't want to be a dirty girl or a bad girl, you know. Only when it's really good, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the good sex. Yeah. No, it's, it's, but I heard this from a very young age. My, my family, extended family are very religious. And, you know, so there were these um, very Christian beliefs that came along Mm -hmm. with that too, um, which are fine. It's just for for me, it was very, a very confusing time. And I remember we would watch movies, you know, when we were younger and if there was a nude scene or something, my mom was like, Oh, cover your eyes. That's dirty. You don't need to see that. So I grew up thinking that sex was bad and dirty and the human body was just disgusting. You know, it was so dirty. No one should ever see it. If they do, like you're, you're a horrible person. You're going to hell. This is, you know, so that's how I grew up. And then imagine having that and then being sexually abused. I was like, wait, what? This is, I I just could not wrap my head around it. It was so confusing, but I think we do carry a lot of shame um, and guilt around sex and and our own bodies. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, grew up with this idea that sex is somehow bad or just something that, you know, the good girls or the good boys, they just don't do it. And for me, it's one of the ways that you can really connect. You know, we talked about tapping into the essence of who you are, right? Like quieting everything and getting to know who you are and and what you want out of life and, and all of those types of things. One of the ways you can do that is through sex, right? Is through reconnecting, whether it's, you know, with another person, it doesn't have to be. Um, it's certainly a great way to do it, but there's also <laughs> ways that, you know, you can tend to your own needs and just get to know your body again. You know, we're, we're biohacking and we're losing weight and we're trying to be better and all of stronger and faster and all of these things. But when's the last time we tried to improve internally, you know, like our hearts, our soul, all of those types of things. So I think it's just, um, it's, it's a very important conversation that we have. Um, and it's important to just reconnect to the essence. Cause I think sex and, and, and all of those things, it's, it's, it's the essence of our soul. Right. And so when we can tap into that and connect to that and let go of shame, which is, you know, obviously it's, it's work. Um, when you do that, it's almost a liberation in a way. And then sex isn't this forbidden, shameful thing anymore. It's just sort of something that you do when you want, cause it gives you pleasure and allows you to reconnect with, with you or with that other person in a way that you can't experience um, in any other way. Yeah, it, it can be a, a source of healing. And it, it's amazing. You can have cravings for sex. You can have cravings for food. Yeah. And yeah. you might not get what you're looking for from either one if you're addressing it from a craving perspective versus just a desire perspective. And all yeah. these are like mushy words and, and they're, yeah. hard, they're, they're hard to quantify. And, and if you draw a truth table around them. Can like, we just hack them? Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't make that much sense. But if if that stuff is running in the background, and here's the deal: if you're a human, that stuff is running in the background. Uh, being aware of it is is a pretty big thing because it'll change uh, um, how you eat, what you eat, and it'll change how you interact with the world around you, and and yeah. just the way you see all of the things that nourish you, including connection and things like that. 
Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. We had um, on What You're Really Hungry For, which is the name of um, my, my show, yeah. we had um, a guest on Dr. Shannon Chavez, and she talked about shame and sexuality and how you get past that. And, you know, it's interesting. We don't talk about sex, even with our partners. A lot of the times we don't communicate like, what do you like? Well, what do you like? Well, what do you want to try? How do you want to feel like, does that feel good? Um, we don't do that. And so it was great having her on the show because she really opened a lot of people's eyes. And, and we have this great um, it's a worksheet on our website, but I could tell your audience how to do it. Basically, you have a list of things that, you know, could be, you know, making out at the back of a theater down to, you know, oral sex or whatever is, is on the list. And then there's a yes, no, maybe column, right? You can download this for free on our website or you could just make your own list. Uh, yes, no, and maybe. Which, which of your websites? You have like three of them. <laughs> So it's just CynthiaPasquella.com. Okay, it's on CynthiaPasquella.com. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you can go there, you can download it, or you can just write out your own list. But basically, you give it to your partner, and then you keep a copy, and you just check it off. And the idea is that it, it creates a way for you to communicate without sitting down and having the talk about sex, you know, because it's weird and awkward. And sometimes people that are married forever still haven't done this, or people have been together forever. They don't do this, and then they're frustrated, and they don't get all of their desires met. So it's, it's great because... I, we just got a, an email. Um, we get lots of emails back, you know, I'm sure as you guys do too, but one stood out in particular, this woman was 65 years old. She'd been married for over 30 years and she had never been able to have a conversation, um, and talk to her husband about sex and what she wanted in the bedroom. And it was so frustrating for her for 30 years. This has been <laughs> wow. going on. I know. So she downloaded this, this guide and she says, she told us that she had a couple glasses of wine first. And then she, she set her husband down and said, let's do this. Let's just do this together. And they did. And it opened up this whole conversation. And she's like, I've had the best sex that I've had in 30 years after doing this. And she's 65 now. And she wrote that she was just getting started. So wow. it's things like that, that just light me up, but it's, it, it's something bigger for her, Dave. You know, it's not just a physical thing. Like it's her heart. It's herself yeah. back. Like she's hungry for that feeling of, of connection and of, of pleasure that, that can be produced in her own body it's, it's really powerful it, it's having the courage to ask for what you want because you might get it and yeah. it, if you don't have the courage to ask for what you want in the bedroom uh, no matter what it is then like you're especially if you're in a monogamous relationship like yeah. you're you're not going to be that satisfied it'll be like you know I, i'm having dinner every night but yeah. i'm not actually eating stuff that i really like ever right and, and, <laughs> Imagine how frustrating that is. Yeah. Like it's super frustrating. How do you live your life that way? But we don't have to. And that gets back to my whole idea of owning our own truth and knowing the power of that and the power of our own voices. If we were all honest with each other, we wouldn't have these things. We wouldn't hold back, right? But we're yeah. so afraid again of what people will think about us, the fear of rejection, like you talked about before, because we all just want to fit in, that we find it really hard to do that. And so we don't, and we go inward and we eat, or we drink, or we gamble, or we do all of those other things instead. Well, I, I love your approach to this stuff, but what we haven't talked about given is the N in Institute for Transformational Nutrition. So, so what do you tell people to eat anyway? Like what, what does your typical diet look like? What, what do you teach in here? Because, you know, yeah. food, we're talking about sex and trauma and programming and <laughs> these are all part of the human condition, right? Totally. And that's part of transformation, but okay, talk about the end part. <laughs> what do you teach? 
<laughs> yeah. So basically, it's it's more than just food. So as I mentioned yeah. before, we we um, combine the science of nutrition, um, and we take a super deep dive. This is you know it's not um, it's not a health coaching program. It's it's much deeper. Um, a lot of people, a lot of health coaches come to us to go deeper, which is really really cool. Yeah, and I, they're I, great. I suggest ITN for bulletproof coaches. Um, oh, like, nice. like if, if you want uh, nutrition training, like, like we're not doing nutrition coaching. There's there's, yeah. there's good stuff out there. We're teaching uh, the, the bulletproof principles around like human performance. So I'm like, yeah. if you want to be a nutrition person, go to ITN. Like so, absolutely, you guys go way deep on that. But yeah. what what are the philosophy behind it? I think people listening are like, okay, like are are you paleo? Are you yeah. keto? Are you like yeah. low carb, vegan, high carb, uh, Gerson cleanse? I don't know. Like, give yeah, me your yeah. philosophy. <laughs> We're pro Gerson all the way. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> just juicing. No. Um, so, so it really depends on the person, right? So we teach you anatomy, physiology, biology. We give you that hard look, that, that mm-hmm. deep core science that you want, because really it comes back to bioindividuality, right? And what works for you and, 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 and as opposed to someone else. And what works for you right now may not work for you later. And I think we've all experienced that. So we're definitely not dogmatic about any um, any specific diet. Um, we actually teach the Bulletproof Diet. We teach, a, we teach over 150 different dietary theories, but the one that that's best for you or for your client, if you're one of our students who have become coaches is really dependent on them. And again, it changes. So be aware of that. And we teach this too, and, and how you can assess that. So, but we know that, you know, Dave, your needs now as this healthy, you know, early forties, like entrepreneur, like you're in it, right. You're like great shape, all this stuff. Awesome. But if you were to have surgery next week, your nutrition um, needs would change, right? Because now you're looking at healing as opposed to like maintaining and, and just sort of developing and growing this amazing body. So same thing with a woman, you know, when you become pregnant, your needs change dramatically. Oh, yeah. When you become, you know, premenopausal versus postmenopausal, nutritional needs are very different. So there is no one size fits all diet for the rest of your life here. That It doesn't work that way, you know? So what we really teach and focus on is finding what's best for your client um, at the stage that they're in in their life. Um, I know for myself, when you and I first met, which is many, many years ago now, I was vegan and you used to give me a hard time about it. I did. <laughs> Pretty much every time I saw you, you're like, hey, you want some butter? You know, it was great. <laughs> and then um, I, I knew what you were really hungry for. <laughs> Oh, here all night. Um, yeah, no, but 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 it was true. Actually, maybe you did know what I was hungry for because I was vegan um, for seven years, vegetarian for fourteen years. But and it worked great. I was really happy. You know, my weight kept yeah. it off, no problem. I could eat whatever. But it got to a point where it wasn't working for me, right? And nutritionally, everything looked like it was right for me. I mean, nutritionist is what I do, right. you know. And I was looking at the blood work, and it just wasn't matching up. I, my hair started breaking again. Um, I had again the breakouts on my skin. It was just nothing. I didn't feel good anymore. I had these really random migraine headaches, and I was craving cheeseburgers. <laughs> I was just craving. <laughs> day was like, that's all I could think about. And so I call our friend, Alex Jamison, who'd went through something mm-hmm. similar. And I was like, I just want to eat a burger, but I feel so guilty. And, you know, and she's like, just eat the burger. Yeah. If you don't like it, stop eating the burger. Mm-hmm. If you know, eat one burger, you don't have to keep eating more, but just do it and just see how you feel. And I was like, okay. And it's funny because uh, I went to this great like grass fed place in Portland for this burger, you know. Oh, I, I bet I know the place, right? <laughs> <laughs> you totally do. So I go there and I'm sitting down and they bring the burger 
And I'm just crying and I start eating the burger and I'm crying. And part of it is I'm crying because I'm so sad. Like I feel challenged and I'm struggling that I'm eating this animal. Cause for me, that was what it was about. Yeah. It was never a health thing. It was the animal thing. And so I thought oh, I'm eating this, but then I was crying cause it was so good, you know, <laughs> and I'm like tears of joy. And then I was crying because I thought, Oh, I've missed out on this for 14 years. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? So, but anyways, after I added meat and butter, I basically follow um, the bulletproof diet principles in a, in a big way. Um, now I, I did then and I do now and I came to you actually for help when all of this was going down because I couldn't sleep or or anything and you you gave me an unfair advantage um, which really <laughs> did shift everything for me so now oh, this wow. is uh, the diet that that works for me and so for now this is what I'm doing and if it ever doesn't work then I'll shift Change. but yeah. yeah but we have to be aware of that and not so dogmatic but at the Institute of Transformational Nutrition that's what we teach is is how you know you know when it's time to shift how you shift and what's appropriate for for each of us you did something that was uh, directly addressing shame there uh, you know, you you challenged yourself. You decided you were going to go out and, and you were going to to yeah. try and see what happened. But yeah. then I, I saw your blog post when you wrote about it. You're like, look, I've been a vegetarian and a vegan for a long time, and yeah. like when you went out to your community and, and you're like, I had a cheeseburger. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm eating some some animal fat back in my diet and some animal protein, and it's really helped me. And yeah. You know, a lot of people when when they do that, man, there's a lot of shame in the vegan community. Like if if, if you do that, they yeah. they're vicious. It's um, tough, yeah. and, and I'll be really honest with you. That's one of the things that worried me so much, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, and it's one of the reasons I reached out to Alex Jameson because you know she was vegan for many years. She said, "No, I'm eating meat again," and got death threats. Like it was yeah. a very. I was like, whoa. What? No, like, don't kill the animal, just kill Alex. I don't, I'm so You, you have to eat someone so after confused. you kill them if you're vegan. I, I don't even understand. <laughs> like, vegan death threats don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I was really scared. And I never claimed, like, I'm vegan. I never flew the yeah. vegan flag. It just wasn't my thing. Um, I, I just, I, I wasn't in that frame of mind. I, I said plant based, like, I eat a plant based diet. And, and for me, that works. But I was never, I was never dogmatic. I was never one that said, you should eat this diet because it's the best diet. And otherwise, you know, you're going to die of heart disease and heart attack and all of these things. That wasn't my thing. I didn't have that soapbox. And some people do. And that's great. That's their beliefs. And they stand in their convictions. And that's, that's the power of their voice, right? And that's <laughs> great. They can totally have that. Um, but that was one of the things I was afraid of. And so I, I wrote this blog post, and I sent the email out. And was shocked because I got so many emails back with people saying, good for you. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> how great that you just own that and how great that, you know, you're putting your health and making that a priority and, and that you're sharing that, that you're talking about it. Um, as opposed to like, just not talking about it or keeping it hidden. Um, and I think it, you know, gave sort of liberates other people to do the same when you speak your truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so you had you had some degree of fear and shame over here. You you faced it. And what the story you told yourself? Oh my God, am I going to get death threats? Or are people going to turn against me? That's and right. what actually happened was they're like, Oh, that's cool. You're taking care of yourself. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was just, it was crazy. And it's, it's interesting. You started that quote, you know, about what people think about you. Uh, I love that by Helen Keller, but, um, Eleanor Roosevelt had a, had a great quote. She said, um, if you wouldn't be so worried about what people thought about you, if you realized how little they do, like how little they 
about you, right? Because we're all so self-absorbed and we're all in our own worlds that people Mm -hmm. really don't think about you as much as you think they think about you. So we're so afraid of being judged and, you know, less than and all of these things when really, you know, the the chances of that happening are are pretty slim to none. And I also have learned that, and we teach this at ITN, our students love it, is that because it shifts them in a huge way, is that you teach people how to treat you. You know, I was very shy and timid, you know, growing up. And then I actually grew up in L.A. That was my real growing up. Right. Just in this whole crazy industry and city. I'm a very different person now. Um, and you know this about me. I'm, I'm very direct. I'm very clear. People always know where they stand with me. I have a lot of love for people, but I'm very honest with them as well. You know, and I won't beat around the bush. It's just always very clear. And and for me, that's definitely been to learned behavior. And because I'm that way, other people are that way with, with me, you know, and if they're not, then I question or I dig deeper. So you, we really do teach other people how to treat us by showing them how we like to be treated. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. 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 So I think you've trained people and so I, I've, I've done the same thing, right? Like I, I do my, my best to, to not waste people's time uh, with with bulletproof radio. Right. And I expect them not waste mine. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So so there's a level of respect and care and, and that's part of it. And if someone's going to approach me on that way, I'm unlikely to engage if if it's not like that, just because I, Honestly, I have kids. I'd rather go play with them. Sorry. Like, yeah. like if we're not going to add to each other's existence in, the, in a conversation, there's really not much point to it. Yeah. But be honest about that, right? Yeah. Don't be like, oh, gosh, I really want to come to dinner, but I'm just tired. Well, no, you're not. You don't want to go to dinner because you want to spend time with your kids. And so mm-hmm. say that, you know, I just think owning that and, and just saying that it opens us up to think like, oh, wow. And you set a great example. And maybe you inspired them to do the same. You liberate them, I would argue, to do the same when they're in a similar situation. Right. I mean, think about that. What if we were all just really honest and we came from a place of love for the other person and our intention was just to communicate clearly and, and love that person, but to own our own truth? In that situation, you're only responsible for you, right? And be completely unattached to how they might feel. And I'm not saying be crass and mean and just don't care about people. It's not that. It's you. If you come from this loving place with this loving intention and you very clearly state that, then whatever thoughts they have or stories that they make up in their heads, you talked about stories earlier, mm-hmm. that's their thing, right? Yeah. And that's all coming from, from past programming and these old triggers within them. You can't fix that. You also don't need to take that away from them. We try to say things so that people, we don't make people feel bad. Well, maybe they need to feel bad. That, that maybe that'll help them get to the root cause of, of, you know, what's going on with them or there's a bigger thing. So don't take that away from them, right? Like we like to, we like to caretake, Instead of care, give, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Caretaking is trying to be like, oh, Dave, let me help you with that. Cause I want it to end. Cause I want to feel better. You're stressing me right. out. I want to feel better. You know, um, and we do this a lot with our friends a lot, but caregiving is where you're giving someone care that has nothing to do with you. And it's all about their best, um, their best, you know, their, their being overall. So mm-hmm. it's just an interesting way to look at how we, take control again, you know, we're talking about hacking. I mean, and biohacking and doing all of these great things. Like this is such a great shortcut to just, just authenticity and discovering who you really are and knowing what you're really hungry for. It's just live your truth, right. And allow other people, give them permission to do the same. 
That's, no big deal. Just a little, just a little thing. You yeah. Know? Just take notes on that, everyone. All right. You got that? All right, Cynthia. We're coming up on the end of the show, and I've known you for a while, but I don't think I've ever asked you the, the bulletproof questions. So if someone came to you tomorrow with all the knowledge you have from the Institute for Transformational Nutrition and the rest of your life, your path, all the trauma you've been through, the trauma you've healed, everything, mm. and said, look, I want to be a better human being. I want to kick ass at everything I do. What are the three most important things I need to know? What would you have to offer them? Mm, that's so great. I would say know who you are, right? Um, because to me, that's that's everything, getting to that inner truth of, you know, why do I do the things that I do? So I would say know who you are. Um, I would also say know who you want to be, right? So know where you're coming from, know where you're trying to go. And then the other thing would be to let go of the fear, because think about what you could do if you weren't afraid. Think about who you would be if you weren't afraid, right? What if you were no longer scared of what people thought anymore um, or those types of things? Like, I think it's a really important thing for us to think about. So if we can reconnect to the truth of who we are and we can honestly say, okay, these are the things that I want then, right? And then we go get them without shame, without fear. I mean, for me, that's like, that's ideal, like creating that life through this trifecta of knowledge and interconnection and and hustle, right? Where you go out and you do those things. I mean, you can have everything you want. I believe everything is possible given those three principles. Uh, beautiful answer. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is so great. You know, I, I love you personally. I think you're just an amazing human being that's making huge strides and big changes in the world. And of course, I love Bulletproof. I've been a fan since the beginning. Oh. So, <laughs> Thank you, Cynthia. And likewise, you are also moving the lives of millions of people. And I, I appreciate you on, on many different levels. So thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Where can our listeners find out more? We mentioned CynthiaPasquale.com. Are there TV shows, other URLs, other places they should go? Like, like give me the list. We'll put all these in the show notes. <laughs> but people may want to write this down because you've, you've got some knowledge to share. And uh, I think it's important knowledge. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my website, CynthiaPasquella.com, you can find our show, What You're Really Hungry For, there. Um, we bring on amazing guests and talk about these deep uh, topics and, and start bigger conversations that no one's having, but everyone should be having. So um, CynthiaPasquella.com and then also the Institute of Transformational Nutrition is just TransformationalNutrition.com. Um, and we talk about, you know, just how we blend all of these things together. If you're interested in becoming a coach, if you're already a coach, you just want to to go deeper and learn how to get your clients that permanent change, then you can go there. So depending on what you're interested in, there's a couple of different places um, that you can can hang out. And then, and then yeah, I'm going to be um, on a great show called um, Revenge Body with Khloe Kardashian, um, nice. which is really cool. Yeah. So that's coming up. I think it's launching early next year. So Congratulations. yeah, thank you for that. It's a lot of fun and just working on a new book and all those kinds of things, but everything's on my website. You can find it all there. All right. So that's Cynthia Pasquella, Cynthia, as you'd expect it, P-A-S-Q-U-E-L-L-A.com yep. and transformationalnutrition.com are the two big places. And you're easy to find online. If they Google a misspelling of your name, I'm pretty sure you'll show up. <laughs> I usually do. I think we bought all those domains too and redirected <laughs> them. So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I, I'm, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on. And I look forward to the next time we get to hang out. 
Thank you, Dave. I adore you. Thanks so much. I adore you. Bye. Bye. Did you know that Bulletproof is on Instagram? You can find us at Bulletproof Coffee or my personal feed is Dave.Asprey. Hope to see you there. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.